0: We've come now to the time of the message, and we are in a a new series. We started it last week. It's called Servant King, talking about Jesus himself, Um, the idea of Jesus being so much different than most kings that you encounter in this world. I mean, most kings, they are the boss. They are on the throne. They love to be served. They loved everyone around them to be serving them. But this great servant king Jesus, he comes along and instead of expecting or demanding that everybody stop and serve him, he lays down his own rights. He came to serve the very ones that he created so that he could save them and bring them back into a right relationship with God. And in that life of selfless service, which we're going to study today and in the weeks ahead, we're going to see that Jesus shows us what a noble, what a true, what a good king looks like. Last week, we talked about Jesus's true family. You remember his family was actually trying to stop Jesus from doing his ministry, slow him down, thinking that he was overdoing it, maybe going to burn out early. And so they wanted to stop him. And in one passage it said, uh, uh, we need to talk to Jesus. Uh, he's out of his mind. And Jesus uh, was there doing his ministry. His family came to him. And he says, your family's here to see you. And he, he looks around and he says, who is my family? Who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? And he says, these people right here are. Because whoever hears and does the will of God is my mother And my brother and my sister. Isn't that encouraging news for us? You know, that by faith, by putting our trust in Jesus, we can be part of His family. We can be those mothers and brothers and sisters in the faith with Jesus as our Savior. We're going to talk about a new message today. It's going to be a message out on the Sea of Galilee where a storm kicked up and how Jesus calmed the storm. And as you think about storms, uh, think about physical storms. You know, there's all different kinds. There's, like in the winter, there's snowstorms. If you live near the Caribbean or near the Gulf Coast, the big storm to watch out for is the hurricane. If you live over in Asia, and that part of the world, they don't call them hurricanes, they call them typhoons, but they're just as powerful and just as dangerous. Um, there's a snowstorm, there's a flood. I want you to think about in your own memory, say, what was the worst storm that you were ever in? The worst storm that you were ever in, maybe it was by, on land, maybe it was by sea, out on the water. I remember a time, uh, this was in Christmas 1983. Lisa's birthday was in early December. I had asked her to marry me, and she made this, I don't know where you got that out of but she said yes, and, and that sealed our fate together 37 years later. And so she said yes, and she went to be with her family. It was going to be our last Christmas apart, Uh, For all these many years, and so 1983, she goes up to Northern California to be with her family. I ended up traveling to Wichita, Kansas, to be with my family over Christmas, and we drove there 1,500 miles straight. Um, When you're 20 years old, you can do stuff like that. And and then Jeff, my younger brother and I, so I was 20 at the time, he was 19. We get this idea because Lisa's family, after Christmas, they're going up to Lake Tahoe and they're gonna ski together. And Jeff and I were like, we're in. So can we come visit you during that time? And they said, yes. So we had two cars that we drove to Kansas. Jeff and I were able to take one of the cars and we're gonna drive over from Kansas to Lake Tahoe. And this genius decides that we're gonna take the Northern route because we hadn't taken it before, which is a bad idea in late December. And we ended up taking Highway Interstate 80 which ends up going through the entire state of Wyoming um, in order to get to Utah, to Nevada, and then eventually to Lake Tahoe. And so we found ourselves in the middle of Wyoming in a winter storm near Rollins with icy roads and snowing and super windy. And the cars were, were all going slow, and we were trying to get there, so maybe we were going a little faster. Didn't know anything about winter driving. I mean, we were in Southern California, Orange County. Wet, slick roads. Probably the slipperiest road there was right when the first rains come because all of the oil and the pollution and the slickness that's on the roads all during the the summer and the early fall, all of that rises up with the first rain. That was the only time I was used to slippery. So we're on this icy road and uh, the, the cars in front of us were slowing down. And of course, what do you do when the cars in front of you are going slower? You hit the brakes. Well, when I hit the brakes on this icy road, our car started turning and spinning and not knowing, you know, the, this idea if your car's turning this way, turn your wheel the other way and you kind of straighten it out. Well, I got this idea of, hey, I'll just turn it the same way that, the, that we were spinning. We ended up spinning out on Interstate 80. We went off the road. We went down into a snowbank, and we were stuck. We were literally stuck there on the road and the wind's howling and the snow is blowing. It's probably like 10 or 20 degrees. And we, we were there on the side of the road, and Jeff and I look at each other, and he said, and it's like, this is it. I mean, this, this is the time where we, we might actually die out here in the middle of a storm. And we prayed, and we read some scripture. Bo- both of us uh, were Christians at the time. Um, I actually prayed a prayer of faith, because I had completed my first semester at Pacific Christian College. And I stood outside and I rebuked the wind and the snow and I said, in Jesus' name, I tell you that you will stop and nothing happened. And I thought to myself, wow, Jesus did it, you know, why can't we do it? And so we got back in the car and it was terrible and we waited about another half hour and thank God, by his grace, a truck came along, four-wheel drive truck, probably a, with Wyoming plates, these guys know what they're doing, and it had a winch with a cable on the front of the truck, and that guy, you know, he knocks on our door, I, and the wind is howling, and the snow is blowing, and, and he says, hey, you guys need some help? Yeah, yeah. So he gets his, the winch out with the cable, and he hooks it to the back of our car, and he pulls us back out on the interstate, and we're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so for about for the next three or four hours, we're driving about 20, 25 miles an hour to get to the next town. And I remember we made it all the way to Rollins, Wyoming. We made it to a McDonald's restaurant. We're sitting in there, and it's 68 or 70 degrees inside, and we're just starting to thaw out, and it was wonderful. And it was like, man, we we still have a long ways to go. (laughs) So we ended up driving through the night, and about midday next day, by God's grace, we made it to where Lisa's family was in Lake Tahoe, and we had a great time. My worst storm experience ever. Uh, That actually had a happy ending. We're going to read about a storm today that has a happy ending, but only because of the miracle of Jesus himself. Now, I want to show you this slide Because when Lisa and I were in Israel a couple years ago, I took this picture on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And you can see it. It's got hills all around it. The Sea of Galilee is actually below sea level. It's about 700 feet below sea level. It's smaller than Lake Tahoe, but it's similar in shape. It's about 13 miles long, about 8 miles wide. And because of the hills around it, the high hills around it, there's a Mount Herman that's 9,000 feet, not too far away, and there's hills on the eastern side especially. The cold air from the mountains mixes with the warm air on the lake, and it can create some uh, high winds and some furious storms on that mountain. In fact, I don't know if you guys have the video ready, but I just wanted to show you to say, now look how this tranquil Sea of Galilee looks like you could get in a water ski boat and the the water's like glass. Hey, let's go water skiing. But the sea doesn't always stay that way. And there is a little passage that I found on YouTube where all good things can be found. and, uh, And you can see a little example of it yourself. Let's take a look. So you, you could imagine yourself having a nice picnic lunch out there on the, on the table, and all of a sudden the water just comes right up over. It was interesting. Um, we did take a boat ride out on the Sea of Galilee, and the place where we had lunch, I didn't really remember it until the time when I saw this uh, footage of the storm. But the restaurant had a little pier, and it went out on the water, and the restaurant itself and the pier were actually on stilts, and they were up pretty high over the water. And I, st- I thought about it at the time, like, that's kind of strange because the water was you not know, was way down below. But it's because of the possibility of the storms on the Sea of Galilee. They had to be ready. And those people knew that the, the storms could be really bad. Well, here is the scene how it is. This is in Luke's Gospel in chapter 8. If you have your Bibles or your devices, you can follow along or you can follow along on the screen up here. It says, one day, this is only four verses that we're going to read today. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Next week, we're going to find out what happened when they actually got to the other side of the lake. But for right now, it's the interim story. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed he fell asleep you can imagine jesus doing ministry all day from morning until night people clamoring for his attention uh, healing people preaching the good news of the kingdom everybody wanted a piece of jesus at that time and it exhausted him physically as a human being just exhausted him so when he finally got into the boat and had a moment to rest He fell asleep, and I think he fell into a deep sleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. So here's the scene. Jesus wants to go to the other side of the lake. Whether his followers knew it or not, they were going to be heading over from Jewish territory over into Gentile, or non-Jewish territory, they would end up in the land of the Gadarenes on the southeastern side of the Sea of Galilee. We'll find out what happens there last week. Hint, hint, demons and pigs. One of the surprising things in the story is that even while the storm was going on, tossing and turning, what was Jesus doing? So it wasn't just when the, when the, when the trip started off and the waters were calm. It says, even when the boat was on the verge of being swamped or capsizing, that's how strong the storm was, Jesus was still sleeping. Can imagine how tired he must have been from his spiritual work in his ministry. In Mark's gospel, Mark says this, he says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So as you saw the waves breaking up over the pier, they were doing the same thing to the boat. And these guys were professional fishermen. And so you can imagine how bad the storm must have been for the fishermen to actually come to Jesus because it says in verse 24, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Can you imagine? I actually think it's kind of ironic that the professional fishermen were pretty scared And they turned to this itinerant preacher of God's truth for rescue on the seas. That's how bad the storm must have been. They must have been genuinely scared. And, you know, I I think they did the right thing. It's okay to wake Jesus up when you're having an emergency. If you're having a real crisis and emergency, Jesus is okay with you calling on him and, and getting his attention. He wants us to pray to him. In Hebrews, uh, in the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus is in heaven and he's interceding for God's people, for you and for me. He wants us to lift our prayers to him. The Apostle Paul says it this way, whenever you have a worry, whenever you have a concern that that is burdening your heart, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Tell God all that you need and thank Him for all He's done. Pretty simple. Not easy to do all the time when you get into crisis. Sometimes it's way easier to worry than it is to pray. But if, uh, I remember Rick Warren saying this, if you have enough uh, ability to focus your attention on the problem over and over and over again because that's what worry is. It's, a, it's fixing your attention on the problem and all the things that could go wrong and all the disaster that could occur if, if this thing stays the way it is. So you're focusing your attention on the problem. He says... It says, if you have enough of mental capacity to focus all your attention on the problem, then just shift the focus of your attention over to Jesus and tell him what you need. Thank him for hearing and answering your prayers. And if you do that, something supernatural happens. Verse seven is an amazing verse. I I, I actually just love this verse. It says, then you will experience God's peace. Look, look what happened in the, in when Jesus got up, when they finally were able to wake Jesus from this deep slumber that he was in. And they said, Master, Master, we're on the verge of drowning. Please, do something. What did they think Jesus was going to do, by the way? <laughs> they didn't know his ability over nature yet at this point, but this is, an ama- this is the amazing part of the story. Jesus wakes up, he got up, and he rebuked the wind, And the raging waters, the storm subsided and all was calm. Have you ever been out on a lake in early in the morning, and you you're on a lake, and that what they the water skiers say that the water's like glass. The water's just like glass. It's so calm. To go from a furious squall to a calm sea in a matter of moments, that was that was nothing short of an amazing miracle. And then Jesus looks to his followers and he, and he asks them, he says, where's your faith? Where is your faith? Now, the bummer of the story for me is my next thing that I'm, I'm reading this and I'm going, okay, so what did the disciples say in response to that? Eh. We, don't, we don't even hear what they respond. We're not able to, to hear what they said. They did say something, but they didn't respond to his question, where is your faith? So Jesus rebukes the storm. In Mark's gospel, he says, quiet. He's telling the, he's speaking to the storm. The creator of the universe, made flesh, is now speaking to the storm. Quiet, be still. And the Greek word implies continuous action, like be quiet and stay quiet. And so the storm dies down immediately. All was calm. After this amazing miracle, Jesus asks his followers, he says, where's your faith? where is your faith do you not trust god to see you and to care for you and to help you in a time of trial you know sadly the dialogue stops here I, w- I wish i had heard what the followers were able to respond at that point it must not have been important enough for mark to include it in his gospel but my guess right here was G- when jesus asked them the question where's your faith they had, they, they were dumbfounded. Yeah, you ever been to that point where Shooks, you know, what's the wizard of awe? Shooks, folks, I'm speechless. You know, like, like the lion, the lion right there, he, he couldn't say anything because he was overwhelmed. And, and I do think seriously in that moment that Jesus' followers were overwhelmed with amazement, with astonishment, with wonder. I mean, is, is that not a, a, a good scenario for worship? Awe. Ah, and wonder, and praise, and amazement. I mean, there's where true worship comes from, Uh, that to be near God, but to be mixed with fear. Because look, they're they're so blown away in fear and amazement, they ask one another, these Jesus' followers in the boat, they're saying, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey Him. So this response of both fear and amazement it indicates the magnitude of what they were trying to wrap their heads around the difficulty they had with coming to terms with who jesus is they're even asking the question who is this what a de- what a demonstration of worship you know and here's the thing about jesus this this is what thomas aquinas says is the greatest miracle in his understanding of the scriptures he he says the greatest miracle is the incarnation The idea that God himself would leave the glories of heaven and limit himself to become a human being like us. In his ministry, Jesus looked like a physical, normal man. Physically, he was normal. He talked like a normal man. He walked, he ate, he drank, he slept like a normal man. And yet, Jesus was not just like the rest of us. Who can command the wind? Who can command the waters and they obey Him? And the answer is only one person who's ever lived, and His name is Jesus. In the Hebrew Scriptures, who's the one who has power and authority over nature? In Psalm 104, verse 3, it says, The Lord, He makes the clouds His chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds His messengers, flames of fire His servants. He has power over the wind. Who controls the waves? Psalm 107. The waves, they mounted up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. This is is one of those great Psalms where he's given a summary of, of all kinds of people who got into all kinds of trouble. And when they cried out to God, God heard their prayer and answered them. So here's these sailors. Here's these People who are out on the ocean. They mount, and the waves, when they're out on the ocean and they're in a storm, they mounted up to the heavens. I was going to show you another video. It was a World War II video. It actually had somebody taking footage of a typhoon uh, in early 1945 near the Philippines when a typhoon hit. And uh, there were about 40 or 50 Navy vessels in the water at that time. And, the, and the, the witnesses were saying the swells were going up 40 or 50 or 60 feet. On So as big a ship as they're on, they're still being tossed to and fro by the ocean. They, the waves mounted up to heaven went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them, and here's the summary of it all. So what do you do when God does something for you amazing like that? Let them give thanks to the Lord for his undying love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. You know, I want you to try to personalize this story today. You know, what is this story about Jesus being in a boat 2,000 years ago in the Sea of Galilee with his followers? What what does it have to do with you today? Well, if you personalize it, you, you just have to admit this. There are some problems in your life that are beyond your ability to control. Maybe you've built up your resources. Maybe you have your connections. Maybe you've got some great personal abilities, and you're trying your very best to handle and to overcome any contingency that would arise. You've got your reserve accounts. You've got your medical bags. You've got your emergency containers and maybe even a year or two of dried food stored up in tight bins in your garage. You have prepared as best you can. But friend, Life sometimes is overwhelming. There are some moments in life that are just too much. And you can't control the weather. You cannot control all sickness and disease and death. We've certainly found that out in the 21st century with this virus called COVID-19. You can't control and hold back the demons totally on your own. There are some spiritual problems. There are some emergencies, friends, that only Jesus can handle. And so what does God want you to do when you face a problem that's too overwhelming for you to handle? He says, come to me. Go to Jesus with that problem. Bring that seemingly insurmountable issue to him. Put the problem in his hands. He can handle it. Gee, that's the thing that it's overwhelming to us, but it's not overwhelming to him. That's why he gives us this beautiful practice, this, this spiritual discipline of prayer where he says call on me and i will answer you because there's some issues that only he can handle jesus can handle whatever situation comes your way so go back to the questions that jesus asked his followers finally after he calmed the furious squall after the winds died down the seas were calm again and he turns to his followers and he says where is your faith Where's your trust that Jesus can really handle your problems, that he will be with you always? You know, maybe you're like me. Maybe there's days when you're riding on the clouds and you say, nothing is impossible. You know, is there anything too impossible for God? Nope. Is there anything that's going to happen in your life that God can't handle? Nope. Are you going to walk in faith today? Yep. You know, you can have great days like that and the very next day something can happen and it can throw you off your spiritual game. Where is your faith? We need to be reminded. That's sometimes if you say, I can't even think, I, can't, I don't even know where to go, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to think, I can't even hardly pray except sit, say to God, just look up and say, help, which is actually a pretty good prayer. To the answer, where's your faith? You know, God's word comes in and he says, make this the anchor of your life, the truth of God's words. Let the the truth of God's word transform your mind. says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, God says. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. To the answer, where is your faith? Isaiah comes in again in chapter 43. He says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When, not if, I wish it was if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Boy, what a tremendous promise. I I was reminded of the song by Lincoln Brewster. He's probably my favorite Christian artist. Has been for 15 years. I love his music. He has a, a song that came out a couple years ago called Deep Down. Anybody know that song, Deep Down? The chorus goes like this. Even though I walk through fire, I won't be burned. I set my feet upon your word. I know your love will never fail. This I know deep down. Deep, deep down. What a a statement of faith. Friends, I want to do something today in church, and some of you guys are going to go, huh, what? (laughs) Some of you guys are going to be surprised. But I want to do this because I want to put into practice. You know, I I was convicted by the, the message last week where Jesus says, who is my true family? Those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So how are we gonna put this word today into practice? The disciples had an emergency. They had a problem that was overwhelming for them. Where did they go when they had this crisis? They went to Jesus. Did Jesus hear them and answer their prayer? Yes, he did. So let's do that here today. If you're watching with us online, and you're on Facebook Live, and you're you're gonna say, wow, you guys are gonna have a prayer time together right here in church? I'm watching online. I can't participate in that. The way you can help, the way you can participate is if you have a prayer request and you have something that you really want to see God do in your life or in the life of someone that you really care about, I want you to take a moment and write in on the chat line and say, this is so-and-so and here's my prayer request. And we promise that we will lift your prayer to the Lord and you'll get an answer to that prayer. Sometimes God's answers are yes, sometimes they're no, sometimes God says wait, and sometimes God says go. You be the answer to that prayer. But God will always answer your prayers. So what we're going to do in the next few moments, and Jeffy's going to play the keyboard, a little music in the background, is I want you to get in groups of three or four, and I want you to very briefly share whatever that burden that you have that prayer request that you said god only you can hear and answer this prayer this is beyond me and i want you to pray for one another and i want you to take about three or four minutes so we don't have time to mess around we don't have time to sit there and go well is anybody going to come to me if you don't see anybody going to you you go to them and you, and you pray together. And let's do that right now. Let's lift each other up in prayer and see Jesus do some answers.